HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by 360 Cookware. Their stainless steel cookware uses vapor technology to cook better tasting, more nutritional food. To learn more and receive 20% off, click their logo on our website, heritageradionetwork.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, hey, you're listening to Let's Eat In on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Arway, and we're here at Averta's, as usual. And uh, I know we've just had a New Year's uh, celebration, but there's another one in a few weeks down the road, and it's uh, for the Year of the Snake. That would be Chinese New Year. And uh, coincidentally, I have a wonderful book that can help you out with uh, eating in on that special day. It's ironically called the Chinese Takeout Cookbook, and the author, Diana Kwan, is here. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me, Kathy. Thanks so much for coming. So why did you choose to have takeout food as the sort of focus? There's a lot of Chinese cookbooks out there, um, and this is kind of like focusing on takeout favorites. Well, I think I, I really wanted to make uh, to do a book on Chinese takeout food because it's part of like a larger... Chinese American food genre, which is like a genre of its own, and mm-hmm. there's no real, there's no cookbook out there already that focuses on that, right? Or knowingly focuses, yeah, on or that. knowingly <laughs> focuses on that. There are plenty of cookbooks that have recipes like for this American Chinese yeah. food, yeah, yeah. It's cool that, that that that's like becoming a more aware genre. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, the Fortune Cookies Chronicles by yeah. Jennifer Ailey a couple years, a few years ago. That's really actually one that. of the books that inspired me to write mm-hmm. this because I was like reading this book and it was like one of the first books I'd ever read that focused on Chinese food in the U.S. She had all these like wonderful stories about like uh, immigrants and about like the origin of General Tso's and for- fortune cookies. And I was like reading this thinking it'd be great if there were recipes in, this in book. the book. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was like, well, why don't I do like a cookbook to go along? With yeah, this is this is I mean, and you get some history in the beginning, which I really liked reading about in your book, but the recipes are just so gorgeous and they're all so tasty and they don't look like 
your ordinary teacup, they look better. Yeah, <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> yeah, and I think that your point here and, you know, from what I can tell and uh, the few recipes I made from it, it is better than than getting takeout. Yeah, and it's faster, too, if you have all these ingredients in your pantry. Oh, really? Right? Hmm, maybe I should time this. Like, order <laughs> something and then go boom, boom, and like, <laughs> saute, saute. Um, Actually, obviously, it depends on the, the recipe. The rice would take longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there are some recipes that'll take longer. Obviously, dumplings will take you longer, but, yeah, you know, like yeah. noodles and some of the stir-fry recipes. But dumplings are one of those things where it would be so much better when you make it by yourself. Yeah, exactly. Usually. Um, actually, yeah, well, I mean, it could go either way, but most places do not have, um, the awesomeness dumplings in the world. Yeah. Most places make them just a little bit too greasy or heavy. Mm-hmm. Did, were these some things that like kind of got to you? Cause I know that Chinese takeout food kind of has a stigma attached to it where it's like greasy, salty, fried. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, that's why I wanted to do a cookbook that was like explaining how do you can do all these recipes without like MSG or food coloring mm-hmm. and you don't need insane amounts of oil to fry. Um, you could do a lot of the frying recipes with just like an inch or two of oil in the pan. Or you can just get the stir fried ones. Or you could just do the stir fried <laughs> ones. <laughs> Plenty of healthy recipes in the book too. So what are some that you uh, some of the recipes that you felt you had to like work hard to deconstru- deconstruct? Maybe at, at for the for the recipe, um, there are a few recipes that involve like uh, frying the chicken first, or like the the meat sesame chicken. Um, well, like general no. sows or um, orange chicken or um, sweet and sour pork. Like you have to get the yeah. um, the coating yeah. right or the batter right. Yeah. So that involved a lot of recipe testing to get it to be the right texture without like being too eggy, without being too soggy. Uh-huh. It's an egg and then batter, like flour uh, or something. Yeah, right? mar- marinated in, um, in a little bit of um, soy sauce and rice wine uh-huh. and, a, li- and um, a little bit of egg white and then um, coated with cornstarch. Yeah, so that's not unusual, though, for anyone used to doing fried chicken at home. Yeah. Yeah, so that's basically the same thing. Um, so this is a, such a fun cookbook. It's your first cookbook. Yes, it is. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And I know you're a veteran uh, Chinese uh, cooking teacher. Mm-hmm. You teach at the ICE currently. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about your travels, because I know you have this great blog called the appetite for the appetite for china appetite for china just appetite for <laughs> yeah. china and you wrote that when you're traveling in china. yeah i started it when i was traveling in um i was actually living in beijing at the time um i had moved there um to just like work and teach and learn mandarin and i started the blog um mainly as a way to just record my travels and to like document like all these different foods that i was eating at the time and trying out for the first time um, and then it like just slowly evolved into um, I was getting all these emails from people back home, like asking, how do I make like a great General Tso's chicken sauce or how do I like <laughs> fry wontons? And I was like, oh, this is like food that I grew up eating, too. Mm-hmm. And it, it also you like, grew up in Massachusetts. I grew up yeah. in Boston. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like the food that I grew up eating out with my friends. Mm-hmm. So that brought like a wave of nostalgia and I started like <laughs> including some like Americanized uh, Chinese recipes on the site too and then it just like slowly evolved into more and more um, 
other uh, cooking from other Asian countries too. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So how was it like totally different the food wise um, between the the stuff you're eating in China and the stuff that you're cooking by request from your readers and friends? Um, it wasn't totally different. The thing that struck me most when I was living in Beijing was that when I was living here, a lot of the food I was used to eating um, and getting out was like Cantonese or Cantonese style. Mm-hmm. So it would be like lighter, um, focusing on more like fresh flavors. In Beijing, um, they have a very short growing season, yeah. so it's just like a lot of it was just noodles, yeah, like or like um, skewers, like lamb skewers or pork skewers. Uh-huh. So it it was a little bit like heavier um and then they were obsessed with Sichuan food there so there was a lot oh, of Sichuan yeah. food so it was just a lot of heavy um spicy foods <laughs> there that took some getting yeah. used to and each city and region in China has such a different food cuisine you wouldn't find it you know if you're in Hong Kong you wouldn't find you know the same things as Beijing and so forth yeah but, um, I, actually, I think Beijing doesn't have a very good reputation within China for its food. No, like the <laughs> Beijing food is usually like imperial food, like stuff yeah. that um, the emperors Peking used to duck, eat. Like, right. uh, yeah, but you can't have Peking duck. And every the other day, stuff is crap. <laughs> <laughs> there are like very good like um, small noodle mm-hmm. stalls, like serving mm-hmm. just like you know um, noodle soups and stuff from other places. Of China. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have its own. Yeah. Thing. It's just it's like a melting pot of cuisines from all over China. Yeah, because it wasn't really the capital for very long. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since, maybe like a hundred years or so. A hundred years. So, um, are you still writing Appetite for China? Yes, I am. <laughs> and uh, how do you how do you like add more dishes? Do you feel like there's like a cap to how many Chinese takeout dishes you could possibly? There are always like variations that you could do. Yeah. Um, like, my, well, the blog isn't, like, strictly Chinese takeout, That's but right. there's, I always do, like, variations, like, on dumplings, like, mm-hmm. I could do, you could do, like, vegetarian dumplings, or turkey dumplings, or, you know, kimchi dumplings, it's, like... Totally. It's just stuff that opens itself to interpretation, um, and then, um, I haven't been stuck on recipes so far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you've been touring around and shop, uh, you know, showing, sharing the book with, uh, folks in bookstores all over the place. Um, what has been, have you ever gotten like a strange reaction? Like, why would you ever write a cookbook when you could just take out? Like, do, do you get that? Um, not really. I think like people who genuinely like Chinese takeout are like intrigued by the fact that you can also make it at home. Mm-hmm. I think the strangest reaction, or well, the reactions that are like strongest that I've gotten was that, oh, that's not quote unquote authentic oh, Chinese gosh. food. Yeah. And it's like, well, what is authenticity actually? Like food just has to change across cultures. Mm-hmm. You can't like Chinese food in China doesn't always stay the same either, moving from province to province. Mm-hmm. Like, Sichuan food in Beijing is not the same as Sichuan food in Sichuan province. Right. It just has to change um, to adapt to, like, local produce and to local people's tastes. Yeah. it's an ins- And there's so many instances of that we see in New York City, like Italian-American food mm-hmm. and so forth. Yeah. Um, do you ever feel like Chinese food in, like, takeout restaurants throughout the city or throughout the country really in the world do you feel like it doesn't change enough because i feel like everyone's doing the same you know they're definitely like takeout restaurants that that like subscribe to the same formula like they get the same like fluorescent placards from the same (laughs) company and they have the same you know 100 dishes that you could do 
Um, so yeah, it's like you have to have these. Yeah, so too. they just feel like they have to like stick to a formula. Yes, especially yeah. if it's like, um, you know, it's just like someone who doesn't have a lot of restaurant experience. But I think it's good seeing a lot of things come out, like you know, Mission Chinese food. Like they're just yeah, like true. trying to be but creative. But that's not from Chinese people. <laughs> it is. That's true. <laughs> I kind of want to like like talk. To some of these like Chinese restaurant owners and be like, be different, please. Yeah. You can do it, but it's a cultural thing. It is. It's like a philosophy. It's like it's it's a I don't know what to describe it, but you know what I'm talking about. It's yeah. like a let's not be different. Let's, yeah. Let's not try to stand out in a crowd. In Hong Kong, there's definitely like a mentality of like we should innovate. You know, mm-hmm, and because mm-hmm. it's just like a food the hip obs- young, you know, it's just culture. a food obsessed culture, and then they have this um, this site called Open Rice, I think that's just mm-hmm. like like Yelp, but you know, for foodies, and they'll like everyone who reviews will upload like twenty pictures of the food that they um, just ate at at a restaurant, and it's mm-hmm. just like more food obsessed culture, and I think you just need like a lot of people demanding new innovative food for innovation to occur. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so your egg rolls on the cover look really, really tasty, and they don't look like any egg rolls I've seen in the Chinese takeout places. Because, because <laughs> not greasy. Yeah, it doesn't look too greasy. It looks crispy on the outside, but it, it's um, filled with a lot of greens. I see, like, fresh scallions sticking out and shrimp. Yeah, and some cabbage, some, yeah. Oh, ca- cabbage and mushrooms. And why is why are egg rolls so often in um, Chinese takeout places just cabbage, right? Yeah. Well, it is like very economical vegetable, so I think that's why leftovers stuffed and fried. <laughs> but if you like cook it for yourself, make it for yourself at home, you're obviously you obviously want to use better ingredients. Uh-huh. No, and your recipe is delicious. It's gorgeous. It totally totally. Um, uh, trumps any that you'll find taking out. Um, what about chop suey? Do you have that in here? Yes, there is a recipe for chop suey. Do, what does chop suey mean? Um, a chop suey is basically like bits and pieces. Like mm-hmm. it comes from the Cantonese word chop um, soy, which is just like literally like leftover, yeah, yeah, like leftover bits and pieces. And like a lot, there's like a lot of like folklore about how chop suey got started. Like there's like two different stories circulating. Like one is that like in the San Francisco in the 1800s, like people working on the railroad just stumbled into a Chinese restaurant late at night and demanded to be served, and um, the cook just like whipped up something and just called it chop suey, mm-hmm. and then. There's, like, another story about how some Chinese diplomat came to visit and was, like, at the Waldorf Astoria and just demanded, like, this chop suey dish. And oh, and then I got So who knows, like, whether there's truth to any of those. But I think, like, it, for, to me, it most likely evolved just from, like, a tradition of, like, people just cooking whatever they have left over into, mm-hmm. like, a main dish, like, just reusing leftovers, mm-hmm. like, um, my mom did that, like tons of mothers, Chinese mothers did that. And I think like immigrants um, who came to the U.S. probably did that, too. Mm-hmm. And over time, it just became chop suey. Yeah. And became known as this like recipe too, yeah, to follow, yeah. <laughs> which is ironic if you don't use leftovers. But that's OK. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're going to just cut to a quick little musical interlude. And uh, let's chat more with Diana Kwan when we're right back. Summertime. It's summertime, and the bars are closing. 
the bars are closing. All the doors are open. This one's called Throw a Parade by Cookies on the Heritage Radio Network.org. So find your friends. So find your friends. Tell them what they want to hear. Tell them what they want to hear. I tell them not to be so. I tell them not to be so. Goddamn uptight. Today's program has been brought to you by AmeriCraft. AmeriCraft and 360 Cookware are proud sponsors of HeritageRadioNetwork.org. AmeriCraft is an American company, and like Heritage Radio Network, they provide the best. Their 360 Cookware is made of the highest quality ingredients, like United States Steel. It is made in the greenest cookware manufacturing plant in the world. AmeriCraft makes great cookware and is focused on improvement. 360 Cookware is their exclusive line. It's a contemporary line of cookware and bakeware intended to let you, the Heritage Radio Network listeners, have a unique cooking experience. Its vapor seal allows food to be cooked in its natural juices, preserving all of the vitamins, minerals, and other nutrients without added water, oils, or fats. 360 Cookware invites you to learn more about how this process works on their website, www.360cookware.com. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m., you can call food scientist Dave Arnold and ask any question you want. John from Chicago, you're on the air. Hey, hey, Dave. Cooking issues. Who am I fooling? This is horrible stuff. Without glutamic acid, you die. It is a matter of taste, but there's a lot more fat in sausage than you think. Get ahead of the curve. Tune into Cooking Issues every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. All right, we're back chatting with Diana Kwan on her latest The Chinese Takeout Cookbook, Quick and Easy Dishes to Prepare at Home, published by Ballantine Books. Um, do you have uh, classes coming up? Yeah, I do. Um, actually, this coming Sunday, I have a class at Ice Culinary. Um, it's called... And it, anyone can sign up, right? And anyone like can the, sign up, yeah, yeah. We have a few spots left. Um, this is going to be a great class. It's a class based on the cookbook. Um, so it's just called Taking Out Chinese, and we'll do eight recipes from the book, including like egg rolls, sweet and sour pork, egg drop soup, mm. like just tons of like your favorite... Chinese takeout foods. Cool. <laughs> Eight recipes. That's good for a class. You can master it. Do you get a book at the end of the class? Or? You can. You can? <laughs> yes. That sounds good. And autograph, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sign up. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, that sounds really, really fun. Um, I, I noticed that you don't have... And I love hearing your like stories. You like know everything about like chop suey, it seems. Um, but what about the fortune cookie? The fortune cookie that it came you left it out. Of oh, the, book. the recipe. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like quick and easy Chinese food. So oh, making true. fortune cookies oh my God, is actually right. like you can't really do it without potentially burning your hands. So I care about my readers. I don't want them burning their hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, those things are really manufactured. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> 
Um, okay, but you do have really good sweets that are awesome. There's almond cookies, mm-hmm. which are really cute. Um, Chinese butter cookies, coconut buns. Yep. I didn't. I haven't thought about those in forever. And uh, sesame ice cream. Mm-hmm. Black sesame ice cream. Oh, I love that. And the egg tarts, which are not. You know, those little egg uh, custard tarts that you see in the dim sum places? Mm-hmm. Those are not as hard as they look, actually. Well, there's, like, a more, like, traditional way to do it with, um, I think, like, some people use a lard crust to get yes. it extra flaky. Yeah. And then I do a very, I have a very streamlined recipe um, where you use uh, pre-made uh, pastry and mm-hmm. it use um, and you make it in a mini muffin tin. Yeah. Because those little um, tins that they have at the Chinese bakery are a little hard to find. Yeah. And I notice, like, when I eat them at the Chinese uh, dim sum places, they do have a really like fatty tasting <laughs> crust. Yeah. I'm like, mm, oh, that's lard. <laughs> that's lard. Great. Um, so yeah, I mean, also a lot of the Chinese restaurants do use lard when they're stir frying, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, they use MSG. Yeah, but you don't have to do that at no, all. No, definitely not. You can use um, good quality ingredients, like um, for example. Um, shiitake, like dried shiitake mushrooms are a great way to get um, a really like umami flavor in soups and stir fries without using MSG. Mm. So you could so just save your soaking water from the dried shiitake mushrooms. Oh yeah, you could do that too. Yeah. But just like having a lot of um, shiitake mushrooms. Oh, in the soup? In the soup, yeah. yeah that makes sense. Um, in, in a few recipes, it seems like, uh, well, a lot of them are kind of reaching outside of the realm of the average... Uh, I, as far as I know, takeout restaurants. Uh, mm-hmm. You have the Taiwanese beef noodle soup. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's <laughs> a really famous recipe. Um, but if you're not a Taiwanese, you probably wouldn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to include some recipes that have become like popular in the past uh, few in the past decade or two mm-hmm. in the U.S. Too, not just limiting myself to like absolutely just like yeah. takeout, takeout. It's always a, a constantly evolving genre. Mm-hmm, definitely. And Buddha's Delight. I haven't That's... thought of that in a while. Um, what is that just anything that's not meat <laughs> it's like it, um it's like a traditional uh dish that's served for new year's like there should be like traditionally there should be w- like one dish that's like all vegetarian mm-hmm. um i mean traditionally like there is like one meal that should be all vegetarian but over time it's just because china is such a big meat loving country we just do like especially in my family we just do one dish that's all vegetarian and okay. it's like a great dish of like mushrooms and like lily buds and um um uh what's it called the fungus the black fungus that's oh the the, uh, woodier mushrooms yeah woodier mushrooms and um like uh, vermicelli noodles and Mm -hmm. it's just like a big pot of all these great vegetarian ingredients like braised together oh yeah i see so it's like that like bubbling like stew Mm -hmm. of, of yummy veggies yeah Cool. What is with the lily buds? They're dried lily buds that you mm-hmm. can find and you soak them. And yeah, you soak them and then you cut off the little um, pieces that are hard at the end and then okay. you just pull apart the strands. And so they add a little bit of texture mm-hmm. and they're pretty. Yeah. But not much. It's a little floral tasting, I guess? Not really. No. They don't taste much no. like anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is your favorite recipe to make? My favorite recipe to make, it depends on my mood, but I always love the um, cold sesame noodles. Um, oh, yeah. They're just great to um, make a whole bunch, a whole big batch at a, at a time and then just save them 
Um, you could eat them like straight out of the fridge mm-hmm. at midnight when you're getting the munchies. Um, and it's like a great sauce um, that uses uh, sesame paste and uh, peanut butter and chili sauce and vinegar. And I've seen you can use just peanut butter mm-hmm. too, or sesame paste, or and your recipe has both, which yeah. I never thought of doing. So that must be really tasty. Yeah, it's a really good combination. Tasty. That's and the uh, recipe that I always recommend to people who uh-huh. are like, "What's the first thing I should make out of this book?" I don't know. There's like 80 recipes. <laughs> I can't decide. And sometimes you could even use spaghetti. Yeah, that's oh yeah, that's perfect. like my preferred um, <laughs> noodle to use. Yeah. When it's cold, it just like sticks. Mm-hmm. Or it, it doesn't. Has, stick it just as has much. like the best texture for right. like the for the sauce. Nice. All right, so that's your favorite dish these days. But mm-hmm. what do you say is the most romantic, perfect date meal in your opinion? Could does it have to be Chinese or like anything? It could be anything. Well, since it's winter, um, I'm craving like anything that goes well with red wine, like steak or lasagna mm-hmm. or like spaghetti with meatballs. Something that sticks to your bones. Um, Incidentally, Sichuan food also goes great with red wine, like semi-sweet red wine. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, sweet red wine, really? Like semi-sweet. You need Semi- like a little okay. bit of sweetness to like counteract like the sugar and the spiciness. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because when I'm having a Sichuan like fire attack on my mouth, <laughs> I can't even think of alcohol. I'm like, oh no, no. Oh, beer is great for this. Beer is good for that. Yeah. I feel like it's just going to spread throughout. Yeah. And bubbles, and it's going to... I feel it's better than water. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people feel that. Okay, so... But I'll try the wine. Because yeah. I've never <laughs> tried that before. I don't know. Like a tempranillo with Sichuan food? So good. I don't know. When I'm like... When I have too much heat in my uh, palate, I just panic. <laughs> That's my <laughs> so only... So you drink? <laughs> nothing. It's just like unpleasant for five minutes. There's nothing you can do. It's helpless. <laughs> But um, okay, so red wine, um, steak. Yes. What what would go with that for you? What do you mean, like on the steak, or just just steak and just red steak wine? Steak and red wine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe potatoes, I guess. <laughs> okay, just a slab of bloody steak <laughs> and red wine. That's the ultimate date meal. Mm-hmm. I just lost my headphones <laughs> for a while there, and I panicked. Um, <laughs> so, okay, that's an interesting one because usually, um, this Diana, you're like a you're um, a wonderfully like petite, thin girl, <laughs> and it's always people like that who say that answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Is that like the default answer or something? No, but people who do say that answer are thin, young, cute ladies. You know, I don't know. It's just, you know, that's just how it works. And um, okay, so what about the perfect date meal if it were Chinese food? Like, say you're going to cook at home together with your special person. Um, I think dumplings would be good because you oh, get yeah. to like make them together and it's fun. It's like a fun afternoon activity and then you get to eat them all. Well, the afternoon date. <laughs> this is well, a long afternoon date. leading into night. <laughs> okay, so you have to invite your date over yeah. at three. Yeah, <laughs> and get them to work. <laughs> That's a lot of dumplings. You can't make just like a few for... Um, I don't know. No, appetizer size portion. Oh, you can, but it's like yeah. fun to just like crank out That's a whole true. bunch of once. I like the project uh, based mm-hmm. date approach yep. there. That's cool. All right. So, and dumplings do make a a good meal in in its own. Mm-hmm. 
like you can eat a lot of them for a meal yep. because they're balanced. They have veggies and meat inside them in yep. their starch. Um, but what, what kind of dipping sauce do you prefer? Um, I love um, just a very simple dipping sauce of like soy sauce, um, Chinese black vinegar, and sesame oil, and mm-hmm. sometimes a little bit of um, sriracha on the side. Mm-hmm. So, what are like some of the speaking of like you know black vinegar and soy sauce? What are like the must-haves in order to make most of the dishes that you should have in your pantry? Um, so the must-haves, obviously, soy sauce. Um, Chinese black vinegar is great. It's like an aged um, vinegar, um, and it's a kind little... Kind of like balsamic? Yeah, it's kind of like balsamic, and in a pinch, you could use a good quality balsamic vinegar as a substitute. Hmm. Uh, Chinese rice wine is also great. Um, it, like, helps deglaze the pan and has yeah. adds a little bit of flavor to um, the marinade and the sauce. And you can also use dry sherry as a substitute. Okay. Sesame oil... Um, oyster sauce, hoisin sauce, and um, my personal favorite ingredient, um, if you can find it, is, um, it's not a necessity, but it's a nice additive, um, the Sichuan pepper. Oh, peppercorn. Yeah. Hua Yep. Cool. You can add it to a bunch of, like, spicy dishes um, in the book. Like, um, there are a lot of dishes with uh, chili sauce or dried chili peppers, and it's a great, it adds a great, like, citrusy, floral character yeah, into the dish. Yeah, definitely. And it's not spicy on its own. No, it's not. It's a little numbing. It's numbing, yeah. yeah. But it's kind in of a good way. just peppery, yeah, on its yeah. own without adding something crazy like chili oil. Mm-hmm. It's going to kill you. Um, all right, so cool. That sounds pretty easy to follow. Um, definitely we'll be tackling some of these recipes because I've, I, you know, I grew up in the States too and my mom did not cook this stuff, but... And my mom is Chinese, so uh, <laughs> so it's really fun. And I love how it's like all in one volume too, because um, it's just like a hit list of all those things that you're oh, yeah, always looking exactly. up. And from your blog, you know, this is like just a great compendium to compliment it. So congratulations! Thank you, <laughs> thank you for that. And uh, happy Chinese New Year soon. Don't forget about it. It's February 10th. You should um, cook a lot of this yummy stuff. <laughs> Enjoy it. All right, well, so that's about it. We'll uh, see you next week. Thanks to everyone at Heritage. Have a good one. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.